When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy game day, everybody. Welcome to Game Quest of AllQuest.com Game Day Podcast. I am Eric Kane. That guy is Grant Ramey. And today we're going to preview from every single angle Tennessee and Kentucky. It's a big time football game for both parties. And uh, we'll hear a little bit from Josh Heupel. We'll get some bold predictions, some score predictions, and uh, some keys to victory, all that and more over the next 30 uh, to 40 minutes. Uh, first, I just want to kind of start out here, Grant. You know, g- growing up in East Tennessee and you know, being on this beat and everything, kind of, kind of observing Tennessee and Kentucky for so long. Kind of, what do you think this game means? I, I think this game is one of those games that often gets forgotten about, just because historically Tennessee's had its way with Kentucky, and and I understand that from a fan's perspective. But this is one of the oldest you know games played in in college football. Um, it's it's a rivalry game considered by many. I call it the Border Bowl. I think it's really important. And since Mark Stoops has been there, it's been a whole lot more competitive. Still, Tennessee's you know, won a lot more than it's lost. Kind of what do you think this game means to Tennessee and to Tennessee fans? Uh, I think it's something that Tennessee fans probably take for granted a little bit because Tennessee has had so much success in this series. I think you take it for granted until 2020 happens or 2017 or uh, 2011 or, or whatever those years were where Kentucky kind of snuck up and, and got Tennessee. So I think you, I think it's the oldest series if i'm not mistaken like 1893 did you mention that just now but like i think tennessee's had so much success there's 26 year winning streak all that stuff they hadn't lost in knoxville between 84 and the COVID season so there's a long gap there where kentucky hadn't won knoxville so i think tennessee fans kind of almost take it for granted until something happens and and you realize that once you lose one of those games you realize how much that series kind of means to you and how much you kind of like I think Tennessee fans took a lot of joy in that 44 to six last year at Neyland Stadium. I think they took a lot of joy uh, in Lexington a couple of years ago, where Tennessee was probably not the better team on paper, but still found a way to uh, leave Lexington with a 45-42 win. So Mark Stoop has built a pretty good football program at Kentucky, given what Kentucky traditionally is in football, um, and it has been a little bit more competitive. But I still think it's something that Tennessee fans might take for granted just a little. Yeah, and um, you know, it, it feels like every time the game is at Lexington, it's always it's always a night game. It's always a little chilly. I don't think it's going to be that chilly this weekend, but it's going to be a night game. Whereas when it's in Knoxville, I mean, it could be three thirty, not three thirty. It could be four <laughs> o'clock. It could be noon. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It could be a night game. Um, but uh, Tennessee's going up there, and it, it feels like it's always close. Um, you know, th- there's a stop here. There's a big turnover here somebody plays out of their minds. I mean, I know Will Levis was not good in 2022, but I remember prior to the Tennessee game, he was just okay in 2021, had a great game against Tennessee in 2022. And then that's when he kind of started, you know, getting some national recognition. Um, It feels like somebody always plays, you know, out of their body, if you will, and, and kind of comes and has one of those games that we remember talking about. Feels like there's always that moment, like the uh, Alante Taylor interception return for a touchdown in 2021, uh, where Jalen, 
Jalen Hyatt getting somehow left open again a couple times a year ago at Neyland Stadium, even though he had been going off the last three or four weeks or whatever it was. It felt like people just refused to guard him for whatever reason down the field. Um, before that, man, the 2020 game, those pick sixes early in the game that set the tone in that one. And, um, it, it always feels like there's that moment. I, believe, I think there was a goal line stand in Lexington at some point in the last few trips up there uh, that decided a game for Tennessee. So it feels like there's always – it's always a night game, and it feels like it's always, there's always that one moment that changes the game that you kind of take away and you remember from those games. All right, so specifically for this matchup, both teams come in with a 5-2 and two record, 2-2 two and two in Southeastern Conference play. Context is key. I've said that all week. Kentucky got off to a 5-0 and oh start with wins over Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and at Vanderbilt. Then had a win over Florida. And, I mean, the win over Florida was impressive. Ray Davis ran for about 1,700 yards in that game. But since that 5-0 and oh start at Georgia, 51-13, where Devin Leary literally couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat in that first half. I remember specifically that first half. Uh, because I think Tennessee was off that week, and um, he he was just so inaccurate. The, the following week, you lost by two touchdowns. Um, you yeah, well, you lost by two touchdowns and a field goal at home to Missouri, and so uh, kind of come down a little bit. Meanwhile, Tennessee, uh, two losses on the road, two losses outside of the state of Tennessee. Can you break that trend? Tennessee has lost four of its last five true road games. A lot of positives from the loss at Alabama, uh, uh and you know, in the first half at least. And Tennessee just got to find a way to play four quarters for both teams. Now it's it's a it's a very very strong uphill climb to get to Atlanta, but for both teams, if you want to reach, you know, your goals of winning nine ten games, if you want to have some positive momentum this season, I feel like this is the game that you've got to have. I mean, for Tennessee, in order to get to a nine and three year, you've got to win two of the. This is assuming Tennessee beats UConn and and, and Vanderbilt. You got to win two of the three uh, at Kentucky, at Missouri, and Georgia. I think your chances are better on the road at Missouri, at Kentucky, uh, than you do at, at Georgia at home. I mean, Tennessee can win that game at home, but Georgia's a different class than considering those two teams. So my point being, it's a monster game for both teams in order of just continuing the trajectory and continuing to try to get to that that win total that you can feel good about and you, you don't have to be disappointed about it at the season's end. Yeah, and I think it feels like probably fans of both of these teams probably have similar frustrations trying to figure out what their team is. Like yeah. we we sat we sat in the box in Neyland and watched Kentucky struggle with Eastern Kentucky uh, early in the season, and we watched uh, Kentucky absolutely throttle Florida at home. Not long after Florida hammered Tennessee pretty good in Gainesville, uh, and we saw you know Kentucky was up fourteen nothing after the first quarter against Missouri, and then they get outscored thirty eight to seven the rest of the way in that game. And that's a pretty big swing game for both of those programs as well. And for Tennessee fans, I mean, you could be the you could show up and see the Tennessee team that could put fifty on Virginia and score seven touchdowns and eight possessions or whatever that stat was, or struggle against Austin P or play really, really well defensively against A and M or put one of their best first halves together we've seen in a long time at Alabama a week ago, only to see the second half happen the way it did. And I know Tennessee fans are sick with with the way that happened, the way you lose that game in Alabama and, and what that could have meant if it ended differently. But at the same time, like you're like you're alluding to, Tennessee's got a ton to play for. Tennessee's got three uh, games right here where you can go 3-0 and and change the trajectory of your season if you can win a couple of huge road games at Kentucky, at Missouri, and take care of business on homecoming against UConn and then go into that uh, showdown with number one Georgia on November 18th at Neyland Stadium. So, uh, the path to eight, nine wins is still there, and it's still realistic. 
but you better be able to bounce back and take care of business and play 60 minutes of good football, consistent football. We haven't seen that a ton from this team, and I don't think Kentucky's put that together uh, themselves. In order to do that, you have got to you know play four quarters. You can't have one disastrous quarter. Um, if Florida, you know, Brent pulled up these stats and put in his 10 things he thinks he learned on Sunday after the game. Second quarter of Florida, Tennessee was outscored 20 to nothing. Um, outgained 122 yards to 27 yards. Um, passing yards 72 to 3 in favor of Florida. First downs 8 to 1 in favor of Florida. Total plays 21 to 11 in favor of Florida. Third quarter at Alabama, outscored 17 to nothing. Outgained 171 to 47. Uh, passing yards 103 to 22 in favor of Alabama. First downs 7 to 1 in favor of Alabama. Y you can't snowball. You can't have a bad quarter that's going to beat you on the road, and especially as an underdog, you know, like you were at Alabama. You just have to avoid that. Josh Heupel was asking about the bad quarter. What's up with that? How to avoid that earlier in the week? And pretty much he says, hey, this is uh, this is big boy football, right? Welcome to college football. Man, welcome to college football, right? Uh, you got to be on the right side of it. You got to find a way to, uh, to be uh... – to make the plays that make the difference, and and uh, also understand that this game's not going to be perfect. Uh, we we see really good players and coaches on the other side of it too. Um, you know, I, I talked about earlier just you know I, that I like this team because they invest, they prepare, they play hard. Um, we got to be a little bit sharper. And um, you know, in, in the first ball game, I didn't think we reset. In this one, just you know, some unique things happened, and and uh, we didn't get going on the on the right side of it, but. Um, we got to cut it clean and we got to move forward in this one too. I don't know if you watched the uh, Rocky Top Roundtable earlier this week, Graham, but I think in one little spur to conversation out of my mouth, I was, I said, snap and clear. I said, I discipline. <laughs> and Brent afterwards said, man, if you would have said, I forgot what he said, but if you would have said one other thing, we'd have to stop the whole thing and get you corrected on butchisms. And I'm like, well, snap and clear, I have always said. And then I discipline. I mean, I don't really, I remember him saying, um, obviously champions of hard and a bunch of other stuff was it shower discipline was that duly i'm off on a tangent here was that, was, that, duly? that was duly that was duly okay. uh 63 effort was butch uh six seconds three great strains gross gross this game day listen i'll talk about all this but point being though i mean you got to snap and clear you have to okay. reset and move on and sure josh hopple's I've got the stat pulled up right here i mean it's, it's a really incredible stat he's seven and one outscoring opponents you know, something crazy after losses. Here we go. He is 7-1 and one at Tennessee coming off a loss. This is Josh Hopple, averaging 51.8 points per game in those eight games and have an average margin of victory of 38.3 in those seven wins. So, I mean, goodness gracious, like you like your chances coming off a loss, but that's good, Grant, but in a game, you know, Hypel said it right there, things aren't going to be perfect. They're good players. They're good coaches over there. Some coaches around the country are sign stealing. You got to go up against that. Point is, you've got to be able to reset from one play to the next and not just let it snowball like it has at points and times this year. Yeah, it, it's those disastrous stretches that, that, have, that have killed this team. And I think what the difference with this team and maybe the last couple of Josh Hypel teams at Tennessee we, we watched the last two seasons how Tennessee lived on those explosive plays, and they changed the game, and they changed the momentum in an instant. And, and with this offense, they run at a pretty elite clip. Alabama slowed them down there. Um, but they you've seen that more often than not this season, they're going to run for 220-plus. 
what they haven't done consistently uh, or a ton of is those explosive pass plays down the field or just anything consistently in the intermediate passing game. Basically, anytime uh, they are passing, you don't really know what to expect or if it's going to happen or if it's going to be good or bad or in between. And I think with the speed with which this offense wants to move, you can go three and out so quickly, so quickly. If I mean, if you're if you're behind the sticks on first down, you're, you you can go three and out in two seconds and you're punting it back. Just as soon as you gave up a touchdown, you're punting it back and the other team's got the ball. But I think that's an issue with this team where they they just put together too many three and outs where once that snowball starts going downhill, man, it gains steam fast. And, and there's just no way that they can flip it. I mean, you saw at uh, Alabama, they score the, the two-play 76-yard drive or whatever to start the second half, and you're thinking, Tennessee better get a couple first downs here and, and slow things down a little bit and kind of get get your hands back around this a little bit. And it didn't happen, the whole fair catch thing and four-yard line. When you can go three and out as quickly as this offense can go three and out and you can't consistently make those explosive plays down the field, man, it, it can be hard to get any back, uh, momentum back and it can be hard to slow the other team down. And I mean, when you're, you know, positioned back at your own four yard line, I mean, that's tough sledding. I recognize that. I, I think the biggest thing kind of closing this conversation is um, somebody's got to step up and make a play. Somebody has got to be the reason that you stop the snowball. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I swear I think I've already said this on Game Quest earlier this year, and if I did, I apologize. Um, the replacements, man. You know, what's quicksand, Shane Falco? What is it? I mean, you know, one thing happens, then another, then another, then he can't breathe. I mean, I just something's got to snap, and, and you got to you got to buck that trend a little bit. And I think the difference in the team last year, one of the many differences, is you had guys that could buck that trend, and so far your quarterback nor anybody else really – has shown the ability to do that. Things aren't going to be perfect in Kentucky, okay? You've got to you've got to find a way to snap that streak and continue on because this is a more talented team, and uh, you can win this football game, and you need to win this football game, and, and you need to snap the streak of essentially four of your last five true road games being losses as well. We will continue to break this down. Who is Kentucky? We'll dive into the nitty-gritty, the stats, who's excelled, who Tennessee has to watch out for, keys to victory, and predictions as we move on. But first, I do want to tell you about our friends that is over at Price Picks. PricePicks.com. I've had so much fun winning 25 times my money back over at PricePicks.com by putting in that promo code VQ. Because when I put in that promo code VQ, PricePicks is going to give me an instant deposit match up to $100. I won't go over $100, but if I put in $100, PricePicks is going to match me $100, 50 to 50, 25 to 25, so on and so forth. And, and, and you play, and again, I mentioned 25 times your money back, but here's how it is. You've got projections, right, or totals. And you're going to pick two to six players, essentially, and they're going to have a projection or a total. And all you're going to do is pick if they're going to go over or under, or in this case, more or less. It's super simple. Have to have at least two players, can't go over six, make your grid and use that promo code VQ for an instant buzz and match, and you can win 25 times your money back over at pricepicks.com. So as we do each and every week, Grant Ramey, let's go ahead and uh, make our pick, shall we? If you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see this is what the pricepicks.com website looks like. Up at the top, all these different sports you can possibly imagine. We're in college football right now. We're in passing yards, and so let's go to the game that matters, Tennessee and Kentucky. Joe Milton, Grant Ramey, the projection from Price Picks, Tennessee, Joe Milton against Kentucky, 232 and a half passing yards. Will Joe Milton surpass 232 in the hook, or will he not? Uh, more. 
give me more. I, I like Joe at Alabama. I thought Joe played pretty well at Alabama. I thought he did his part, uh, made some big throws, uh, could have used some help with some uh, non-drops, some catches. Uh, give me give me Joe to – I think running Joe has helped Joe settle in a little bit, so I'm mm-hmm. thinking more with Joe on 232 and a half. I agree as well, man. And maybe you don't keep up the same pace, but boy, if he had a semblance of what he did in the first half and the second half, I mean, that stat line would have, I mean, it was already good. It was great in the first right. half. It was, you know, of course he got hit the scoop and score, you know, it wasn't perfect, but that stat line could have been even better. Let's go to his counterpart, Devin Leary, who we're going to talk an awful lot about here in a moment. Grant, um, Devin Leary, 210 passing yards in the hook. So 210 and a half. Will he throw for more or less? Uh, I'm going to go less. Uh, like Tennessee's pass rush and Kentucky's passing offense is pretty pedestrian, one of the lower averages in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so they'll get after him, and they don't throw it great to begin with. So that's not a very good recipe for Kentucky. So if you look at Devin Leary on the season, he's averaging 196.7 yards per game. So uh, not even averaging 200 yards a game, and we mentioned that pretty – less than pedestrian schedule to kick things off um let's go so we got our quarterbacks here let's go over to the running backs because i think one of the best matchups in all this football game is ray davis against jalen Wright. sure there's going to be jabari small in there there will be some uh some dylan sampson but it's going to be all ray davis for kentucky ray davis his total is at 92 in the hook 92 and a half rushing yards will he run for more or less than 92 and a half against tennessee uh, he'll run for more because they're going to force the issue with Ray Davis because we saw what he did against Florida. He ran for, what, 280 and three touchdowns. That was the best performance no. for Kentucky all season. He's going to have to do it again. Um, that's no disrespect to Tennessee's defense. I think they're just going to force it so much with Ray Davis that he's uh, more than 92 and a half. Well, I mean, let's be, let's be frank, too. You can rush for 100 yards and still win this football game. Just don't let him go off. I mean, I thought Jace McClellan, he earned every bit of his um, 100 and – 15 yards or whatever that he got the other day he had that 30 yard scamper there to begin the 30 to begin the third quarter but i thought tennessee was still pretty good against the run last week and mcclellan kind of earned that so and i know tennessee lost but um you can allow a 100 yard rusher just don't let him take over the game and so i would agree with you i think he's over his counterparts uh jalen wright disappointing game it was a disappointing game for all the tennessee running backs 54 and a half 54 and a half yards, Jalen Wright, more or less? I think I would take more if that was a first half number. I mean, that seems like a very low number. I think Jalen Wright, it's a, it's a get right game uh, after some frustrations in Tuscaloosa, not only for Jalen, for the rest of Tennessee's running backs, because they're used to running it a lot better at a lot more productive clip than they did in Tuscaloosa. So 54 and a half can be way more than that. I think he's way over that. I would agree with that. I think um, 54 and a half is uh, kind of the low number for him, knowing that, you know, even in Florida, he had um, a lot more, gosh, I want to say in Florida, I know Tennessee didn't run the ball well, but Wright still had 60, 70 yards on 16 carries or whatever. So, I mean, Alabama was a disappointment, but I definitely believe that um, he's going to go over the 54 and a hook. Last one here. Let's have some fun. Squirrel White, 63 and a half is the number given. Will Squirrel White go over or under the 63 and a half? <coughs> Excuse me. Two, I'm dying here. Two of the last three games, let's mind you, he's had over 10 targets. It's got to be more because I 
took Joe more at 232 and a half. And if Joe's going over 232 and a half, Squirrel's got to have at least 63 and a half. Cause like you just said, he's going to get a ton of targets and he's their best big play threat as we've seen uh, throughout the course of the season. So as we are every single week here on game quest, we love the overs. Give us more Joe Milton, 232 and a half more Devin Leary. The only less 210.5. That is a less Ray Davis, 92 and a half rushing yards, more Jalen Wright, 54 and a half rushing yards more and squirrel white 63 and a half receiving yards. We say more looks like Tennessee is going to have a nice little bounce back efforts over there in Lexington. And you can as well. If you didn't have the weekend you wanted go to pricepix.com, use that VQ promo code VQ, and they're going to give you an instant deposit match up to $100. That is pricepix.com slash VQ for price picks. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, welcome back to GameQuest of AllQuest.com Game Day Podcast. Appreciate you guys for being here. Appreciate Price Fix for being a part of the show. I'm Eric Kane, and that is Grant Ramey. Let's go ahead and dive into Kentucky and see what Tennessee is working with. You know, we we preview this all week long. We throw out some stats and everything, but let's look at the personnel and let's start with uh, let's start with the guy that makes everything go. We'll get to the quarterback in a moment, but let's talk about Ray Davis a little bit. Grant Ramey, Ray Davis, 111 attempts on the season. He is at 781 yards. That is second most in the SEC. He has eight rushing touchdowns. He's averaging seven yards per carry. Okay, he had 280 yards against Florida, so keep that in mind. Five receiving touchdowns, which means with 13 total touchdowns, Ray Davis leads the SEC in total touchdowns. Two years at Temple, didn't know that earlier in the week. Two years at Vanderbilt, did know that, knew him at Vanderbilt, and now he's at Kentucky. He is a guy that uh, Tennessee's going to have to stop, and, and Josh Heupel acknowledged that earlier in the week. I, well, you got to stop them early uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, but uh, their offensive line, their tight ends, um, they're extremely physical. They do a really good job getting a hat on a hat. Uh, we got to be violent. We got to be disruptive. You got to have uh, gap integrity um, between all their different personnel groupings, uh, their shifts, their motions. We got to do a great job communicating and uh, and being, you know, gapped out. And, at the, the end of the day, when uh, when you meet the ball carrier, you got to do a great job of tackling him, too. Uh, he's extremely physical. Grant, is it as simple as this? If Tennessee beats or if Tennessee holds Ray Davis in check, you know, he'll get his every now and again, but don't let him take over the game. Does Tennessee win this football game? What are we talking in check? Give me a range. I mean, I don't can... let him go for a hundred and f- don't let him go for a hundred and twenty. Yeah, if you can keep it under 120, I think you're fine. What you just can't do is just let him go off. 
you can't yeah. give him a 280 yard day like he had against Florida and three touchdowns or whatever it was. And, I, and Tennessee saw Ray Davis uh, last November at Vanderbilt. Uh, I just pulled up his box score: 21 rushes, 60 yards, five catches, 17 yards. I mean, that's obviously he didn't have a lot of help around him, and that was a very good ball game. And obviously, Kentucky has unlocked something in him that clearly he didn't have at Vanderbilt uh, in terms of help or whatever it is. He's had a great year. I think you, if you you can let him have his to an extent, but it, you just can't let him go off. You can't let him kill you. I mean, they're going to force Ray Davis because he's probably the best player they have on their football team, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, just let him have his, but not let him kill you. What's going on with Devin Leary, man? Um, I think he, along with Joe Milton, the lack of consistency with Joe Milton, um, two of the reasons why the quarterback position is so down in the SEC this year. I mean, I spent all offseason, and people probably got annoyed by me, but it is what it is. I love football, and I, lo I like to watch good football players. Devin Leary was one of the best foot, football players in the country in 2021. He was having a pretty decent year last year before the injury. And so I just thought, all right, you get a healthy Devin Leary. You pair him with Liam Combe. You look at those receivers we'll get to in a moment. Ray Davis is coming to town. I mean, watch out. That, that offense could be something. Man, Devin Leary has just been so bad this year. So bad. Uh, completing passes at 54%. 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions, um, especially compared to how good he, we've seen him in college football. Boy, he's been disappointing. And but, but I mean, hey, Tennessee's defense can make anybody look good sometimes historically. So obviously you just need to remember what he can do. And they're reminded of that. But uh, so far this year, man, it's been underwhelming. Yeah, don't be that defense that makes him look like the Devin Leary of old. Um what the problem has been, I think it's the curse of Rob Lewis, where I just have Will Levis jokes in my head from Rob Lewis all the time. <laughs> Something about playing quarterback at Kentucky just puts you under a certain spotlight where they haven't performed at least up to expectations or whatever hype is surrounding them going into that season or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but, yeah, don't be that defense. I mean, they're going to have to pressure him like they always do any quarterback. They're going to have to get home on some sacks. They're going to have to change a lot of scrimmage. Uh, seven interceptions. You better be opportunistic in the uh, secondary since he's played pretty well in the secondary uh, until that second half at Alabama. But that was an entire team thing, not just a secondary thing. So don't be that don't be that team that makes him look like the guy that Kentucky fans thought they were getting, I guess. And then you look at the receivers, and they have a pretty good receiver group, but because of the inconsistencies and the lack of production at quarterback, I mean, it's not like any of those guys have gone off this year. I mean, again, the collection of talent, Barry and Brown. We, Tennessee fans know exactly who that is. 23 receptions, 276 yards, a touchdown. Tavian Robinson, 23 receptions, almost 400 yards, three touchdowns. Dane Key, 17 receptions, a couple of touchdowns. Those are three names that we know. Those are three names who've been productive the past year. And there's opportunity there. But again, because of the quarterback play, they haven't really had a, a chance uh, to shine this season. No, and it kind of feels like Tennessee where you've got Squirrel White and you know what he's capable of and you've seen the plays that he can make. You you have Ramel Keaton. You've seen what he's capable of, the plays that he's made the last couple of years, and you're kind of struggling to figure out why it hasn't clicked. And I, I, don't, I don't know why that's the case for Kentucky, just like I don't know why that's the case for Tennessee. But once again, you don't want to be that get-right opportunity for uh, this pa uh, Kentucky passing offense because – they're averaging what 190 we talked about a few minutes ago that's yeah. pretty pretty really that's a really low number uh so you better keep them there and, and don't be that defense that lets them go off Kentucky will play two tight ends they will employ an H-back 
It's going to be playing in a phone booth type game, downhill running, that type of stuff. It's going to be that type of game. So, and that's typically what we can assume from, uh, you know, Mark Stoops, the defensive coach, but we can assume that from a Mark Stoops head coach football team. And that's what you're going to get. Offensive line is an area that's improved really, really well this year. Grant last year, Kentucky's offensive line, boy, it was, um, let's see here. It was last in the SEC, or next to last in the SEC. I can only assume Vanderbilt was last and giving up 42 sacks. This year, that number's gone down to 11. In the past two weeks against Georgia and Missouri, that's when I think they've given up a combined eight sacks. So um, it, it's not been trending well of late, but overall, nice bounce back year. 11 sacks allowed, averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Did get a big boost. A guy that starts at right guard, he started at 33 straight games entering the season. And, uh, and Kenneth Horsey, he played the opener, missed five games, and uh, and now he is back. So um, you talk about being entrepreneuristic. I can't say that word. Uh, Tennessee's defensive line is going to have those chances, and, and I think it's a lot of the same. James Pierce off the edge, Tyler Barron off the other, uh, Eason, Thomas, Omar, Norman, Lott, those guys in the middle. Just keep doing you, and I think that uh, they can disrupt the passer despite the improved numbers for Kentucky. Yeah, and I think the, the, the big number there is the eight they've given up over the last two uh, games before uh, Kentucky's off last week, but uh, the Missouri and the Georgia games. So if, if you've only given up what was the number eleven all season and or thirteen, yeah. and now you've you've given up eight the last two times out, I, I think that's a big number. Uh, and I think this Tennessee defense can go back to being the Tennessee defense that you know you saw a lot of the, in the first half against Alabama. You saw it all sixty minutes against A and M a couple of weeks ago. Uh, go back to being that defense that, that can get off the field on third down, that can pressure quarterback, that can get to the quarterback, that can uh, get Kentucky behind the sticks uh, and kind of go from there. Get, let James Pierce be James Pierce and let all those other guys that you just mentioned uh, have their moments because it feels like everybody's kind of having their moments uh, for the Cincinnati defense, at least uh, on the front. 2023 offense, 31 points per game. 352 yards of total O. I would imagine that is middle of the pack to back of the pack in terms of total yardage. 31 points per game is not bad, but I would assume it's still probably fifth or sixth in the SEC. Uh, but that 352 yards of total O, that's a low number. Um, 196 through the air, as we mentioned, 155 on the ground. How much of that 155 is inflated by that 280-yard performance from Ray Davis against Florida? I'm sure it is a little bit, but he's got a couple. He's got, I think, two other 100-yard games on the season. Uh, 10 turnovers, and I mentioned the 11 sacks. Now let's shift the gears to defense. Kentucky's defense has given up. Kentucky's defense overall last year, despite only registering 19 sacks a season ago, it was the third-best defense in the conference, right behind Georgia and Alabama last year. It slipped a little bit in points per game. It's allowing 27 points per game so far this season. But the 346 yards of total defense, not a bad number. It has been pretty suspect through the air. 251 yards allowed through the air so far on average. 95 against the run on average. So again, you've gone from an A&M group that allowed, I want to say, 84 on the ground to Alabama that allowed 104 on the ground. Now to Kentucky that allows uh, 95 on the ground. I mean, this is welcome to the SEC, right? But I do think that that number is a little bit different because, again, you've I mean, you played Missouri and Georgia the last two weeks, but before that, you didn't play a whole lot of teams that could run the football efficiently. So we'll see what Jalen Wright and company can do. 16 sacks on the year. So I mentioned 19 sacks last year, already 16 sacks, seven interceptions and four recovered fumbles. <clears throat> Excuse me. Essentially, in the 4-2-5 multiple scheme, J.J. Weaver's a guy off the edge that we've heard of that we've seen play for a couple of years. 
Um, Octavius Oxnine, if you follow Tennessee recruiting, you remember that name. How can you forget it? He's a veteran that started on that defensive line for years and years and years. Uh, Dearick Jackson and uh, Trevin Wallace are the two inside backers, and they're productive players. But, man, there's a quarterback, Grant. He's a young guy. His name is Maxwell Harrison. He ties for the lead on the team with 44 tackles. He's got five interceptions at cornerback. He's leading the team in tackles, and he's got five picks on one side. And you talk about that guy that's made the most of his opportunities. You got to watch out. You got to find where Maxwell Harrison is. And I would just say, don't throw it his way. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just kind of ignoring the, the pass game altogether, I think the Tennessee run game is going to get back to being the Tennessee run game that, that we're used to seeing that we saw go off against a, a really good AM defense that didn't really show up all that much against Alabama, at least not up the middle, at least not these running backs getting what they usually get. Uh, I think these this Tennessee run game should be trying to make a statement against Kentucky that they can get back to being the, the team that they are that can rush for 230 uh, like it's just any other game. Uh, obviously, with those numbers that Kentucky's given up, that's a pretty good defense you're facing. Um, keep Joe running the football uh, 15 times if you can. Uh, that option looks still looks good with them, the way he reads it. Uh, keep doing that. Keep helping him settle in into the game uh, through the run and then set up the pass. Uh, and and just avoid the catastrophic mistakes. I mean, they're going to create turnovers. It seems like they've created them all season. Uh, don't be you, – you can't give them a ton. Uh, if, you, if you lose a turnover battle on the road, that's a bad recipe, uh, especially when you have an offense that can struggle at times uh, to stay on the field in the quick three announcements that we talked about earlier in the show. So uh, take care of the football, run the football, uh, and go from there. We don't typically go over special teams. I know I know Rob does the you know special team section of the matchup piece, but here on Game Quest, we don't typically do that. But I wanted to this week because Barry and Brown, um, a, a name that again we we all know, very dynamic returner. Punt returner, he's he's returned three punts this year. He's had one long of 36 yards. As a kick returner, he's already had one 99 yard return for a touchdown. Um, you're gonna have to be really good with your coverage. You have to stay in your lane, don't get washed down. And then you got a kicker that's made all six of his field goals, and you got a punter that's downed uh, seven punts inside the 20 and had six punts of 50 plus yards. They're pretty sound special teams wise. And, and you got to corral Barry and Brown. Do not let him, you know, have a play that could ignite something for Kentucky and the home crowd. And it feels like Tennessee's been pretty good in coverage uh, on special teams this year. Uh, I mean, most kickoffs are going out of the back of the end zone. Jackson Ross has uh, turned out to be one of the better punters in college football, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the biggest thing for Tennessee, you got to keep your hands down. No pointing at the sky on kickoff, uh, kickoff team. No, uh, yeah. whatever. What was it like this? Maybe right above the shoulder or something like I mean, that. I mean, maybe just an inch or something. I mean, <laughs> not not to go into that, but I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, he did it early in the game. Somebody saw it. Somebody told the official, and and they were looking for it because how in right. the world? I said this earlier in the week, like on one of my podcasts, like how in the world could you see that if you weren't looking for it? Right. And so if if, a, if an analyst or an assistant coach for Alabama saw that earlier in the game, they're like, wait a minute. Technically, we can get we can get a penalty out of that. Let me go tell the official the official was looking for it. And boom. I mean, it's it's weak. I mean, it might have been an inch or two above the shoulder. But as uh, as uh, Josh Heupel said on Monday, you wrote about it. I said it on the message board and people did not like it. Letter of the law. You, you can't do it. And, and classic college football officiating, it wasn't even the worst fair catch issue of the weekend. Yeah. It was the, <laughs> yeah. Iowa, the Iowa kid that was waving to the left below his shoulder who returned a kick with 90 seconds left that would have won the game, and they call it back because he's waving his arm to his side. From I don't, I don't know. what That's not a fair catch. Thing. I, 
that's classic college football officiating. That that's, the Tennessee issue is not even the biggest issue specifically with that call yeah. on that weekend. I think with Tennessee, though, just match special teams, basically. I mean, D. Brown's capable of getting loose on a punt return or a kickoff return if you ever got a kickoff return opportunity. Just like That'd be D. Williams to you, sir. What did, what did I just say? D. Brown. Oh, yeah, Barry and Brown, D. Williams. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that'd be a dynamic returner. I see what you did. I would. You, ma- you, 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 you mash them together. It's dynamic. They're <laughs> dynamic on their own, but. I think D. If D. Williams can match Barry and Brown, that, that it's a wash and they're fine. But um, I, I would be all in on a, a special teams, crazy special teams game. Heck yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. All right, you've already kind of gone a little bit into it. Give me a couple of keys, um, and then I'll give some keys. We'll get in our prediction. Couple of keys for Tennessee. What do you got? Yeah, you know, got to run the football. Got to protect the football. Uh, don't turn it over. Win the turnover battle and run it the way they they've shown they can consistently run it. Uh, and that's a pretty good recipe on the road to win a game, to stay in a game, uh, to not have those disastrous stretches that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, get, get back to being who you are. Um, you got to be yourself. And um, when, when you are when you are being you out there, you're running the football and doing it in an efficient clip, get Jay Wright back to what he was doing, Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson. Um, if, if they're back to what they're doing in that regard, maybe you don't need to call as many design runs for Joe Milton, but – I still like that. I still think that adds something. I still think it looks good. And, you know, we'll just let Joe kind of do his thing. I mean, if he can carry some things over from last week, I think that'd be great. Um, I'm not saying he's turned any corner. I mean, we need to see some consistency. But a lot about a lot of last week from Joe Milton was good. And uh, if he can carry that on throughout the rest of the season, boy, that can be exciting. Defensively, just gap integrity. Gap integrity, run lanes. I think the defensive backfield, the safeties, this is a Jalen McCullough game. Now, that's a bold prediction. This is a Jalen McCullough game. Coming downhill, you know, run fits, helping out tackling Ray Davis, okay? Watch for watch for Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough to have a big impact in this game. So, um, gap integrity, corral Ray Davis, and make things difficult for Devin Leary. A lot of these keys are the same keys every single week. Give me a score prediction and a bold prediction, Grant Ramey. Uh, bold prediction. I'm going to start there because I haven't even thought of a score prediction. Uh, I'm going back to my magic number, 232 rushing, because we almost had it against South Carolina, if not for that last uh, – how how ironic it was a fourth down conversion uh, where they ran for six on a fourth and three to get to 238, and then they had 232 a week later against A&M. So I'm going back to the well on 232 rushing. I'm going to go Joe Milton four total touchdowns. Um, I don't know if that's – what the split is rushing passing uh i'm gonna go four total touchdowns though score prediction i'm gonna go uh tennessee 31 uh kentucky 21 yeah i haven't really given much thought to the score prediction as well as our weekly listeners here at game quest know we record this before we put the, the score prediction piece out there on fridays um I'll start on defense. I think Tennessee's going to win the turnover battle three to one. There'll be a turnover somewhere. It just happens. It's football. But I think Tennessee's going to create three, and so you'll win the turnover battle three to one. I think Jalen McCullough, as I mentioned, I'm going to I'm going to stay with that. I think Jalen McCullough is going to be. Uh, I don't want to say leading tackler, but I want to say he gets about seven to eight tackles, and from the safety position, that's you know, that's uh, not not necessarily what you want. But in a game like this, I think it's good. So give me Jalen McCullough seven eight tackles. That's not too bold. Let's continue getting bolder here. Um, I like the Joe Milton four total touchdowns. I was actually going to say that, so um, I'll I'll say five. Give me Joe Milton five total touchdowns. That's pretty freaking bold. Man. 
Um, man, if they could just figure out the quarterback sneak on the goal line, man, that, that's it. I mean, Peyton Manning could do it. Can't Joe Milton? I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, give me, give me Joe Milton, five total touchdowns. And I, I think Tennessee wins this game comfortably. I really do. I like this matchup. Um, if Tennessee jumps up a couple scores, uh, I don't want to say it's over for, for Kentucky, but Kentucky's not built to come back. And, and Alabama is not built to come back as much as they've been in years past, but they still have good players. And you saw that last week. Kentucky's not built to come back, in my opinion. So, um, and I don't think Florida's built to come back, but Tennessee never got that lead, uh, you know, against Florida. So I just, I like this matchup so much. So I'll go win the turnover battle 3 1. Jalen McCullough, give me eight tackles. Joe Milton, give me five total touchdowns. These are all pretty bold here. And um, score prediction, what'd you say, 31 21? I said 31-21, yeah. Give me 35-21. I think Tennessee wins this one by by at least two scores. So, um, And if that happens, well, Grant, Tennessee improves to 6-2, and 3-2, and two, and you come back home, you'll be 7-2, and two, and then when you go on the road to Missouri, you'll be 7-2, and two, a chance to come back home 8-2. and two. Again, so much to play for um, with a couple of games left here. My, my thing last week was I needed to see them perform on the road in a hostile environment, and they – performed way outside of my expectations for the first half. They just got to put 60 minutes together for four, four full quarters of football. And I think it's because of this series and the way it's gone historically, I think sometimes that can matter. And I think this is a game Tennessee can win. Uh, they could lose it too, but they can win. They should win. Uh, and I think they should cover. I've, I've seen enough on the road to think they can play well. Here. I agree. I would agree with that as we kind of say goodbye here on GameQuest.com or BallQuest.com, GameQuest podcast. Uh, all coverage, continued coverage leading up to kickoff uh, during the game. The, the the game thread is is something else, that is for sure. Uh, come come be a part of it. Come hang out with us. We'll have plenty of reaction um, and, and on into the night, all day Sunday. Uh, no better place to be informed, prepared, you know, place to reaction, place to react, place to talk with your friends then over at VolQuest.com. We got breaking news, guys, 10 months ago in terms of Michigan Spygate here. I mean, we got it all at VolQuest. Shout out, was it uh, Ar- Arnie Palmer? Is that it? Yeah. Some, something involving Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Hey. It, was, it, was a big week. it was a big week for him. Shout out to you. You deserve all the national celebrity success you're getting on all these shows throughout the week. Job well done. You're the goats, and um, yeah, you can get you can find people like that here at VolQuest.com. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky, seven o'clock ESPN Saturday nights, and uh, really appreciate you guys for being here on Game Quest. Get ready for it, and we'll talk to you after the game.